Well, welcome everyone. Today is September 29th, 2021. This is a recorded show. I'm Trey Dobson, Chief Medical Officer at Southwestern Vermont Medical Center and an emergency medicine physician with Dartmouth-Hitchcock Health. And this is Medical Matters Weekly, a show about the aspects of healthcare that matter to you most. My guest today is Rachel Rodney, who is a registered dietitian and an athlete. Uh, she has worked at SPMC for 16 years. Is that right, Rachel? Yeah. And she holds an undergraduate degree in, do I pronounce this right, dietetics? Yes. Um, she's a registered dietitian, certified in sports dietetics, adult and pediatric weight management, and as a diabetes educator. We're going to get into all those aspects of, of her services. Um, she's also worked for the Vermont Blueprint for Health for the past 10 years. She loves biking, running, swimming, and doing all of those at the nearly the same time. She's also an avid telemark skier and uh, loves living in Vermont, I am sure. So welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Actually, where do you live in, in Vermont? Do you live over in Wilmington or do you live in Bennington? I live in Wilmington. Yep. Wilmington. That's what I thought. That's great. So just tell us a little bit about your background. I started off um, and, and sort of where you grew up and then you can kind of move into uh, how you got into doing what you do today. So I grew up in um, Connecticut, in central Connecticut, um, right outside of Hartford. Um, both of my parents were musicians um, my brother went to school for music, for per jazz performance. Also, I was the first person in my family to really not go into music and um, to end up going into a science career. So it's a little bit um, different for my family. Um, but yeah, so I grew up in, in Connecticut. Then I went to college in Rhode Island. And after I graduated from college, I decided that I wanted to take some time off and um, decided to get in the car with my friend and drive out to Colorado or Utah and figure out where we can be a ski bum. So <laughs> I took a year off, became a ski bum, and then realized it was a little bit too far from my family and moved back east. And I, I had always known since I was probably in seventh grade, I remember knowing that I always wanted to live in Vermont. And I knew exactly where I wanted to live. I wanted to live near Mount Snow. Um, and I moved here and I met my husband and never left. Wow, that's a great advertisement for the Mount Snow area and Wilmington in itself. Um, it's fantastic. So you were a ski bum. Uh, wh where did you live? You lived in Colorado, you just travel around? Yeah, we actually landed in Vail. Um, so I lived right at the base of Beaver Creek. And so I skied Vail, Beaver Creek pretty much every day for a year. And then how did you get into um, triathlons? Oh, boy. So when I... When I was in, I used to be a very big couch potato. I never did any exercise. I was not brought up in a sports home. Um, my parents never encouraged sports. Um, and so when I was in high school, I started to think about, you know, just, I had a friend who mountain biked and he was like, you got to get a mountain bike and come mountain biking with me. So I started off in high school, my senior year in high school, I mountain biked a ton. We had a really like a ton of great mountain biking in Connecticut. Mm. And um, I felt, I just fell in love with mountain biking. And then that kind of drove me to get a road bike. And then I started road biking and then I thought, Oh, you know what, maybe I'll start running a little bit and started running. And then that just kind of evolved into, Oh, I could do a triathlon. <laughs> so I started, you know, I started swimming and, and turned out that I just, it evolved over years. You know, that's also a great story. Speaking of great stories um, because a lot of people think if they didn't do it and, 
in uh, junior high or in high school, then it's too hard. They can't get into it. And really, you can oh. start any type of endurance athletics at any age, I think. Yeah, I didn't start running until I was in my 30s. So I really and, and the other thing that I've noticed that's kind of a bonus about starting running late in life is that I haven't been pounding on my joints for years and years right. as I was growing up and I don't have any, you know, joint problems or injuries or, you know, things that people have been doing this their whole life have. So I kind of started later, but I think that it's, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. That's a great inspirational statement and you're exactly right. So, so then you moved into nutrition though. So tell us about that. So when I, when I went to college, I um, really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I grew up in a family where my dad and brother both have very severe Crohn's disease. Um, my dad, they've both had multiple, multiple surgeries. My dad also had it in his esophagus. So for, for most of my childhood, he had a really hard time swallowing. He was very malnourished um, a lot. And my mom was always struggling with her weight. My grandma, I grew up in the, the house of my brother and dad always trying to gain weight. My mother always trying to lose weight. My grandma was a Weight Watchers lecturer. I grew up going to Weight Watchers. Um, and I saw all of this, these things that just, you know, all in nutrition impacted all of these medical conditions. And so I, I kind of felt like something was missing in my brother and dad's care. And, and so I just, I started learning about nutrition and learning about my own nutrition. Cause I didn't eat healthy when I was in, you know, younger kid. Right. Um, and I didn't know the first thing about nutrition. So I started to learn about my own nutrition and then started to just, it just started again. It just started to evolve until when I went to college. I mean, and, and again, I was a musician when I went to college, I also, um, was, you know, on the fence of going into music versus something else. And so I ended up going as a math major. And then I said, you know what, they have a dietetics program, let me take a intro to nutrition course. And mm -hmm. my parents, you know, my parents were really pushing me to go a different course than music. So <laughs> I ended up taking a basic nutrition course. And that just kind of evolved from there. And I decided I wanted to go into dietetics. Wow. So it, it connects, I know, with a lot of um, a lot of different people, a variety of people, from from true uh, uber athletes to folks that just want to be healthy to folks that aren't really actually feeling well and need to change. And that's what I kind of want to talk about some today. So let's talk about the athletics aspect. Just talk to me a little bit about what you have found through your experiences and, of course, your your training, uh, the connection between nutrition and athletes. Well, you know, and it, it's funny because I, I think that nutrition plays a huge role in athletic performance. I mean, there's no question that, you know, the fourth leg of a triathlon is nutrition. You can't, you can't perform at your best if you're not nourishing your body. And so, you know, when it comes to um, just, just athletes who just, you know, are exercising, not necessarily endurance athletes, but, ex you know, just the average Joe doing an hour a day. Um, you know, I find that people put so much, so much focus on what do I eat to do what I'm doing, but people forget about just having a good old fashioned healthy diet. And so, um, you know, as far as like just the average person who's doing, you know, an, like a, a general hour of exercise a day, I really focus more on having a healthy diet and fueling your body for life and fueling your body for what you need to get accomplished in a day. 
And then as it goes on, I never really realized um, how much nutrition plays a role until I started doing Ironman and endurance events and marathons. And, you know, when somebody is out there for over an hour and a half to two hours, you run out of energy unless you're fueling appropriately. And, and then you get into, you know, some of when you're out there running, you're, you've got, you know, you can only eat so much and you can only take in so much. So I find my role is kind of being a guide as to, okay, how do we get the calories that your body needs without making you sick? And also to give you the fuel that you need to finish that race. Right. I do, I do think, um, at least in my interactions with some patients, uh, and differently than what your interactions are, of course, because you're dealing with people specifically talking about nutrition, but I, I hear they, they, um, they want to learn more, but they think I'm not an Uber athlete. I hear all these terms about gluconeogenesis and glycogen stores and glycogen depletion. And really, I just want to eat well and feel, feel good. And yeah, I like to go out and run 45 minutes uh, uh, every other day. And I like to do some other things, but I'm not an athlete. And therefore, I don't need a nutritionist. And how do you respond to those types of interactions with people? Well, I think that I think everybody can benefit from making changes to their diet. I mean, I think nobody has a perfect diet. There is no such thing as a perfect diet. And, and I think you have to work with, you know, what's the right diet for you and what's the right thing to be eating. And, you know, everybody has something to improve. And, and if there is something that, you know, I can talk to somebody about their nutrition and see what they're eating on a regular day. And if there, there's something to improve, we can improve it. So what, what are some common um, reasons people do come to you then? I see people for everything. So it could mm. be anything from weight loss, um, hypertension, it could be high cholesterol, it could be any myriad of, of medical reasons. Um, GI issues are very, very common, IBS, IBD. Um, that's, that's kind of where a dietitian is trained is in the medical realm. So we're trained to pretty much deal with any medical condition that can come up. Mm. Um, and so I worked a lot in the inpatient realm at one point, and um, I've worked in burn units, I've worked in medical ICUs, surgical ICUs, um, you name it, the nutrition piece is so important. And so is that what separates a dietitian from uh, other fields that maybe are focused on uh, well, healthy people without medical conditions? Yeah. So the difference is a dietitian has an undergrad degree in the field of nutrition, and then you go on to do a one-year internship. It's a, it's about a year. Um, and then you are eligible to take the national exam to be a registered dietitian. Dietitians are generally trained more in the medical side of things than, than anybody else. Um, anybody can call themselves a nutritionist. It's not a it's not a legal, you know, there's no legal um, definition of that, but you can't call yourself a registered dietitian. Got it. So that is a pretty big distinction. I mean, I think it's important that people know all that background and training, you know, just like a doctor or any other part of healthcare uh, undergoes. So yeah. when you, when you see folks, for example, um, that present for weight loss, what do you find or the, um, what, are they, what are they struggling with typically? And then what benefits them the most? Because I know people in the audience are trying to get some free, free advice here before they actually call you. Well, one of the, I'll tell you the, a little bit of what sets me off from, from a typical nutritionist also is that 
I don't hand out diets. I'm not going to give you a diet. I'm not going to prescribe a diet. I'm not going to tell you what to eat. What we're going to do is we're going to work on your relationship with food and we're going to figure out how, what is going on and why are, you know, if it's somebody coming to me for weight loss, why are you taking in more calories than your body needs? And where are those calories coming from? And a lot of times it's habits, it's behaviors, it's, um, you know, just habits that people have gotten into over the years and it's extra calories that sometimes they don't even know that they're taking in. Right. And of course, some of it's so difficult, I'm sure, um, because it's environmental, you know, it's the people you're with, the situation you're in, your work. And those are really hard to change, especially on your own. I just can't imagine people are that successful on their own without some type of of dietitian and motivation. I find that that's a huge part of my job is just helping to keep people motivated and making understanding that what you see in the media is not real life. And, you know, making small changes pays pays out over the long run in in sustaining that weight loss and Mm -hmm. helping you to lose that weight rather than saying, okay, I'm going to cut out a food group and then you know, I'm going to lose some weight and then I'm going to gain that right back because that's not sustainable. So a lot of my, a lot of what I do is just helping people make one change at a time in order to be able to maintain that over the rest of their life. And, and be the resource for the questions um, that they have. And I know this because I have many patients that have seen you or one of your colleagues and um, they love having that resource because they've got Dr. Google, but it doesn't really work very well, especially because the questions are so specific to them and their situation, which is why you can tailor your recommendations. Tell me, um, what are some of the misconceptions you, you hear about frequently from, from your patients and from others? Um, I think one of the biggest ones is, is just what they're reading in the media is not necessarily real life. And I think that nutrition research, I mean, my, my degree is grounded in research, you know, we're all about evidence-based information, but on the other hand, when you look at nutrition information and nutrition research, it's, it's always evolving and it's always changing and it's never the same. And, you know, like I I hear the egg thing all the time, don't eat eggs, eat eggs, don't eat this, don't eat that. And it's always changing. So I think that that's the biggest question that I get is, you know, what is, what is the real answer? You know, what, what should I be eating? What shouldn't I be eating? And, and, you know, what is a lot of times it's just, I heard this in the media. What, what do you think about that? Right. And and there's a lot of misinformation in the media. And, and a lot of times, you know, there's people trying to make a lot of money off of the weight loss industry is a huge, huge billion dollar industry. And people are always trying to make a buck. Right. And in the media, rightfully or wrongly, they, you know, they, they try to sensationalize because they want you to listen and read, but it, it can, it can, there, there's some benefit to having a story that's sensational so you can learn about it, but it can also put you in the wrong track. I know that uh, some of my other friends, they're dietitians and, and other medical professionals in general, you know, the reason to seek treatment or advice from a medical professional is because we might have our own ideas on things, but we use the evidence that Rachel was just talking about to really either support or refute. And there are many things that I thought would be beneficial um, in, in healthcare uh, that the evidence doesn't support. So I don't recommend them at all. And I know that's, again, what separates a dietitian likely from a nutritionist who just is an expert based on some ideas that they had. So, so those are some misconceptions. Why don't you um, tell us a good story? You have a good patient story. I'm sure you have a lot of good patients. Actually, I have two um, 
that I can think of right off the bat. One of, I had one patient who came to see me probably about, I want to say it was probably about eight years ago. And the first day she came to see me, she just was down, depressed. And I'm taught, as I started talking to her, I'm thinking, oh my God, this, this woman's suicidal. Like this is not like nutrition is not the most important thing right now. And the nice part of what, where I work is I was working, um, I work for 13 different doctor's offices. So I was actually working in the doctor's office. I opened the door. I went outside. I said, doctor, you need to come and see this patient because I don't think nutrition is really important right now. She's going to, she's suicidal. So he went in, saw her, they immediately got her admitted to a um, psych hospital. I think she was there for a while and um, they worked on her depression and, and got her kind of squared away mental health wise. And then she came back to see me and uh, this had to be probably a year later. She came back to see me and, and her reason for coming was because she wanted to lose weight. Right. And so fast forward five, well, eight years, she's lost almost a hundred pounds. She follows up with me every single month without fail with, I mean, she always checks in and she's lost so much weight. She was really unhappy about her arm flaps and she's going in next week for plastic surgery. Mm -hmm. And this woman has just, I, I actually met with them her and her husband a few days ago. And he just kept saying, you should see all the meds she used to be on. She's only on one medicine now, you know, she can go and walk. She was helping him, you know, build things. It's just amazing. Somebody who really was debilitated from her weight is now like has a whole new life. That's great. And, you know, you kind of touch on um, what she probably was experiencing this depression and it just shows the relationship between nutrition and and your sense of well-being and they can affect both you know each other one can be the primary and one can be the secondary and and so unfortunate that many people um rather than have an, a love relationship with nutrition and eating they tend to have a hate relationship or a fear relationship they um and and that's just a recipe for disaster no pun intended there but tell us about your second uh you said you have two good ones so i had another woman who i actually met uh, 10 years ago when i was working at svmc in the inpatient um world and she was a patient who was in a coma and she was over 300 pounds she had diabetes she had um thyroid disease um, was not taking her thyroid meds, but nobody really knew what was going on. And so I actually met this woman, not, not alive, you know, I mean, she was definitely not, not with it. They got her, she got extubated. She was probably intubated for about a week. I mean, she was a very, very sick woman and was touch and go. And when she got extubated, they said, you've got to see the dietitian. And you've got to get your diabetes under control and you have to do this and you have to do that. Well, she was sent over to the nursing home behind the hospital. And I, we don't connect, like we don't see the patients after they go to the nursing home because there's another dietitian there. For some reason, I think the dietitian was out. I don't know what happened, but they asked me to come over there and see her. So I went over and I remember sitting on her bed, talking to her just about eating healthy and just about her diabetes and just trying to get her to kind of make a few changes. And I didn't see her for a few years after that. A few years later, she comes back and um, she really wants to work on her diabetes. She wants to get 
get lose weight and get better and get healthy. And so to this day now, she's lost probably a hundred pounds. She doesn't have, I mean, her diabetes is in perfect control now. She, I mean, this was a woman who was taking a ton of insulin, no insulin necessary. Um, She eats better. And it turns out she lives around the corner from me. So she comes over my house and, and I help her cook recipes and we come up with, you know, I share recipes with her and we talk, you know, we cook different things. And so it's just turned out like to this day, I still see her every other day. And, um, it's just, it's, I look at her and I'm like, it's just amazing how you can change your life like that. Boy, that is a great success story. So, so let's walk through this. Um, uh, let's just say I'm a person I'm interested in, uh, improving my nutrition because I, I do know I have a little bit of weight to lose, not a hundred pounds, uh, but I have a little bit of weight to lose. And also I'm just not feeling like I I have the, the vigor I used to. Uh, and so how do I come see you or one of your colleagues? Am I referred by a, a physician or how do I get there? Yeah, so I work for, um, well, it was the Vermont Blueprint for Health. Um, and so this was a program that started about 16 years ago and it's um, evolved that now it's run by SBNC. But what happens is the primary care providers are considered um, advanced advanced primary care or medical homes. And so what they do is the payers started to basically reward the doctors for prevention. So they were paying kind of ahead of the time to prevent certain diseases and, and certain things from, um, you know, keeping, maybe keeping people out of the hospital and just keeping our patients healthier. So in that sense, what they did was they, develop what's called a community health team. And the community health team includes me, a nurse case manager, um, a behavioral health specialist, and a social worker. And we're all embedded kind of in the offices. So I basically work for 13 different offices. And so I'm connected with 13 different primary care offices, which go from pediatric up to um, SBMC practices and in um, independent practices. And right. so if the patient wants to come and see me, all they have to do is ask the front desk at one of the primary care offices and just say, can I make an appointment with Rachel? Um, a lot of them actually just give them my cell phone and the patients text me or call me and say, when can I talk to you? And I put them in my schedule and it's simple because there's no billing. Um, it's, it's not a, um, re- it's not a reimbursable service. It's not something that we charge them for because it's already included in prevention. And then how many times, um, how many encounters do you typically have? I know there's probably some extremes on each end, but is it one or two or does it go on for a a relationship that's longer? I would say that for, if it's somebody coming to me for weight loss, I would say I usually see them, you know, a few times, like three or four times until things are, you know, going in the right direction and they've got a lot of changes and they know what changes they need to make and, and so they feel that they're on the right path. And then usually the patients will say, you know what? I think I'm doing good. I'll call you when I need you. That's great. Um, that's sort of like an episodic consultative type yeah. service and can tailor it to what, where, where people are getting their benefit. Yeah. So what, what are your biggest challenges typically when you work with patients? I would say there's, there's two things. The media is a big challenge because Mm. I think that we have a lot of misinformation out there. And I feel like sometimes I'm always, you know, trying to right the wrong um, and explain why, well, there might be this information. um, But 
it, you know, it might not necessarily be the right thing for you or, you know, there's not a whole lot of um, evidence behind whatever this is saying. Um, so I, I would say the media is a, a big problem. Um, the other thing that I see way too often is that people don't know how to cook. Mm, wow. And home ec, you know, we don't have home ec in the schools like we did when we were younger. Right, right. <laughs> you know, we're not learning, to, kids are not learning to cook the way that we did. Even if it was making eggs or making pancakes or, you know, whatever it was, kids knew how to, you know, in the, at least a middle school child knew how to make it, make something on the stovetop, no matter what it might be. Right. And so what I find now is, you know, even sometimes we give away vegetables, we give away, you know, we have the veggie Van Gogh, people get these vegetables. I've, I've talked with clients and, and I'll say, well, you got all these vegetables. Did you do anything with them? No, because I don't know what to do with them. Uh. So I, I find that I think that cooking and, and also family meal times are something that really need to be more frequented. Right. And if you're listening in the audience and, and you have these similar experiences yourself, um, getting a hold of Rachel or, again, one of her colleagues is a, is a great way to go. And, and as you heard, it doesn't take multiple appointments. It can just take a few. So as we kind of close here, um, tell us from a professional and, and even a personal uh, standpoint, do you have any projects or goals uh, on the horizon? Well, I can tell you, Trey, I, I never... I'm never stagnant. I'm always looking for something new. Yes, I know that <laughs> I'm about always you. Always trying to learn more as much as I can. Um, right now, I I'm training for a marathon. Um, that's going to be in November. Great. Just finished an Ironman. So per personally, I'm just waiting for the snow to come too to start cross country skiing again. Um, but professionally, I'm just I I'm always trying to learn something. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Rachel Rodney, for being on our show. Um, I'm also going to thank Mike Cutler from Cat TV, Ray Smith from Southwestern Vermont Healthcare, and Ashley Jowett from Southwestern Vermont Healthcare. I'm Trey Dobson. Go out and find joy in everything you do, even in the face of adversity, and we will see you again next week.